We're going to continue, kind of wrap up our series this week on uh, Follow Me series that we've been doing. Uh, today we're going to wrap that up, but really talk about it more is what does that look like in community, in the, in the Christian community. I did want to take a moment to not only say good morning to everyone online, welcome you online. Also, I want to thank everybody uh, who over the past few weeks have been re- responding uh, to sermons. They've been very encouraging. Many of you have shared your mission statements with us and uh, your personal mission statement. That was an assignment. We actually had some homework. People actually did the homework. Several of you did that, shared your statements with us. We really appreciate uh, you you're doing that. That was great to see that you really put a lot of thought into what God was calling you to do in life and what your cross was, what your mission in life was. So thanks for sharing that with me. Also, thank you to those of you who've also shared just your testimonies of how you're trying to be a light to other people as you're following Jesus and how you're trying to reach out to others and be that light to others. That's been great too. So thanks for sending those uh, comments back and, and connecting with us on those things to let us know that God's working in your life today. So thanks. Also, uh, have you ever said to someone, uh, that person's the glue that holds the organization together? That person is the glue that holds the family together, or that's the glue that holds our community together, whatever the group is. And maybe if you're able to comment right now, you can go into the comment, and maybe there's a name that comes to your mind. Who's that person that you would share? Who's that glue in your family life? Who's that glue in an organization or someone you think of in a, at work that is the glue that holds everything together? One of the people I think about is Teresa. Teresa was uh, a, one of the leaders of a nonprofit organization, a community organization that helped uh, refurbish homes for people in poverty. And so basically they would connect with homeowners whose roofs were falling apart or houses were in, in disrepair and did not have the resources to maintain those homes and repair those homes and make them safe and dry and secure. And so we would bring teams of youth in to work with their community organization and we would send teams to rebuild homes and rebuild uh, secure homes and uh, do repair work and uh, to people that were struggling economically and had lost jobs and were in need. And we would do this. And so anytime we needed help or needed to know where to go or what family to connect with or where we needed to get supplies or tools or anything, you went and you talked to Teresa. Teresa was the one the glue that held the whole organization together. Now, Teresa was not the executive director of the nonprofit. She was not on the board of the nonprofit. She was the one who held it all together. She was the logistics person. She was the one on the ground connecting people and connecting us to families. And so if you wanted to make sure you knew what you were doing and what was happening, you went to Teresa. She was the glue that helped everything run and function. And she was really the one who helped everything from, to keep everything from falling into complete chaos uh, and lose sight of all those things. So really appreciate people like Teresa who are the glue. Now in the Christian community, we could think about who's the glue that holds us all together. And Paul, we're looking today at the letter to the Colossians, and Paul actually says this in chapter one, who the glue is that holds the Christian community together. And it's not the pastor, and it's not the board. In fact, it's pretty obvious. But let's take a look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. It says that the Son is the image, the Son is Jesus, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The Christian community is held together by Christ. The Christian community is not only centered, but it's really, it's not just about centered on Christ, but what Paul is saying is that the whole, not just the Christian community, but the whole world, the whole universe is held together by Jesus. That Christ is supreme above all and in all and through all, and everything holds together in him because he is, part, is one with the God who created the whole, uni- the whole order of the universe. And so this, this is a very big idea. This is a big idea that, that, we, that is called the supremacy of Christ, and that Christ is not only supreme above all, but Christ is also holding everything together, keeping all of us from falling into complete chaos. And so we bind ourselves, and we glue ourselves together in the Christian community in Jesus. That's what holds us together. That's where unity comes from. That's where Christian love comes from. That's where all these things come. So we as believers see this happen. We see Christ as that glue for us. So let's keep going a little bit further because it's important for us to understand what Paul's getting at here. That's where Paul starts the letter. But we want to focus in more on what does it look like to be in Christian community? What does it look like to be followers together in following Jesus? The last uh, several sermons have been about how we as individuals follow Jesus, but today we're talking about how do we as a community follow Jesus together. So let's jump into Colossians, uh, further in Colossians, starting, I believe, in verse 24. It says this, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And so this idea here is that Jesus is actually saying there are three things we do in the Christian community. We proclaim Christ, we admonish one another, and teach one another about how to follow Jesus, about following Jesus. That's the purpose of Christian community. And these three things are practices within the Christian community that that we encourage and work with one another to help us become more mature in Christ. So this is part of what it means to be in this community. A lot of times, though, in the Christian community, what's happened is we've privatized our faith. We've, We've individualized our faith, and we've seen it as an individual endeavor versus a corporate or community endeavor, that we're in it with others. And we actually benefit from being in that community because it helps us to become mature and move towards maturity in Christ. This is why one of the core practices of our church is this practice to teach one another to follow Jesus. That comes from Colossians 1.28, where we teach one another. We're to encourage one another in, in following Jesus, the, what we've been talking about during this series. For example, have you ever taken a hike by yourself or a walk by yourself? Particularly if you're out on a trail and you're hiking up a mountain, 
you may have done that on your own, and you may have taken a hike on your own. It's much different when you hike alone versus when you hike with someone else or with a group of people. And so what we're doing is we're hiking together with a group of people in Christian community. Uh, I know that recently I had an opportunity to hike uh, with someone who is a former Special Forces Army uh, Ranger, I believe. His name is Chris. He runs a leadership consulting group. And uh, I got to hike Mount Si with Chris. And uh, Chris is in much better shape than I am. And Chris hikes twi- two, three times a week. He leads others. And, and, and he also, his, he's uh, leading a team for the World Adventure Race. And they've got a team application to race in the World Adventure Race in Patagonia next year. I'm hoping they get to do that. It sounds like an awesome opportunity. But as I was hiking with Chris, here's what happened. We hiked Mount Si together, uh, but Chris hikes Mount Si all the time. So he took me on a different trail that I'd never been on before. And Chris pushed my pace more than I would have. So if I had hiked it alone, I would have stayed on the trail that everybody else stays on. And I would have hiked at the pace I know my hike out, which is a lot slower than Chris. And so, but as Chris and I hiked together, couple things happened. One, I experienced a new part of the mountain. I experienced a new part of the trail. I also, uh, I I had to keep pace with Chris, and I had to, maybe Chris even had to keep pace with me and and adjust his pace. But because we were hiking together, we found that place where we could pace together. But it, it pushed me. It stretched my pace, my normal pace. The other thing that happened in hiking with Chris is that I learned things from Chris about leadership and consulting and I believe that I hopefully he learned some lessons from me about leadership as we talked and shared our stories together. And that's the beauty of hiking together. The beauty of hiking together and going on a journey with other people is we, we get a different perspective. We get a different trail to look at. We're, our pace changes. We learn from each other. And that's what Paul's talking about in Christian community is that when we hike together versus alone, we're actually going to become more mature in our faith in Jesus. And it's when we're in community where we're encouraging each other and teaching one another and actually admonishing one another, basically meaning, hey, watch out, don't stumble, don't fall. You know, there's a rock there, there's a root there, you might trip. I've tripped over it. I fell there before. And so this that's admonishment. Admonishment is warning people before they fall, not pointing out that they fell. And that's judgment. Judgment is when we point out to people, hey, I, I see you fell there, but you, 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 did, you tripped, and you, know, you might want to do that differently. And that's judgment. But admonishment is warning people before they fall and letting them know where the roots are, where the obstacles are, where the pitfalls are uh, in the Christian life. And so how do we move from, uh, from judgment in the Christian community and criticism to admonishment, warning, saying, hey, here's where I messed up. I don't want you to mess up too. So that's a different uh, perspective. That's a different attitude as well as we're hiking together. So, you know, we have these experiences of, of hiking with others. And so part of the idea of a Christian community is we share a common vision to be like Jesus, that we're all hopefully moving and encouraging one another to become more like Christ. So uh, I was reading a commentary this week by uh, Nijay Gupta, and Nijay was a, actually a professor here at SPU, and Nijay was a part of First Free Methodist Church when they were there, and he wrote a commentary on Colossians. And in his commentary, he points out uh, something about Aristotle. And he said that Aristotle had three forms of a pro- or approaches to relationship and community. And these are the three forms that Aristotle uh, shared and that uh, he shared in his commentary. 
One approach is utilitarian approach to community and relationship. The first approach is utilitarian. What do I get from this person? What am I getting uh, from this other person? And so it kind of feeds into that kind of phrase, you know, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know, that's a utilitarian kind of approach to relationship. Number two is a a pleasure approach where how attracted am I to this person? And so a lot of times we may move into community with other people because we're attracted to them or move into relationship with people because of our attraction to them. And um, and and in Christian community, that's also something that happens. We see people gravitating towards more charismatic leaders and, and things. And so that is attraction that may be happening as well. And then number three is this idea of virtue. Virtuous or the virtuous approach is, do we share the same vision of the virtuous good life? And this is more in line with what Paul's talking about here, is that we're in Christian community not because of what we get out of it. We're not in Christian community because we're attracted to a particular leader or not attracted or attracted to other groups in the church, but we're all on the same journey together to this virtuous life which is life in Christ, which is maturity in Jesus. And that's what is to be unifying and binding the group together, that they share this common vision of this life that we're all attempting, doing our best to be like Christ in our beliefs, in our thoughts, in our feelings, and emotions, in our actions, that we're all on this journey together. And some of us are like special forces in that journey, and some of us are hiking for the first time. And do we in Christian community take all of those different places into view in the community? So let's go back to our hiking illustration. What does this look like in Christian community? What are we we talking about? What form of relationship are we engaged in when we come to this Christian community? Well, hopefully it's this shared vision to become like Christ. So this is what it looks like. Here's a topo map of a hike that we could take, right? Uh, a spiritual hike. So this is a spiritual topo mat. And our peak or our summit on our map is that we're all going to maturity in Christ. That's the summit we're trying to uh, 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 reach all together. But we're a group of people on a pilgrimage, on a journey, on a trail together to that summit. And we've got people on the trail in our group that are really experienced hikers. And we've got people that are first-time hikers. And do we really, in Christian community, consider the needs of all in the community in moving the whole group (laughs) to Christian maturity? That's what we're doing together. We do this as a community. Now, there are different people at different levels, and so we have to take that into consideration when we're hiking together. And we need to offer one another grace and patience at times when that's happening. So here's the other thing that Paul says in Colossians as we read further along into chapter 2. He says, my goal, and this is for the Christian community, he's speaking to the church in Colossae, the Christian community in Colossae. He says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And one of the things that we gravitate to in those verses is this idea that the Christian community is to be encouraged in heart and united in love. That those are markers of Christian community. That's what it means to be in Christian community. So as we're hiking towards this goal of maturity to the summit, are we encouraging one another towards the summit? And are we united 
in that approach. Um, one of the things that when you're hiking, going back to the hiking analogy, is that sometimes people who are more experienced hikers just take off. They, they, they just leave the rest of the group behind, right? And they don't keep so they don't adjust their pace to the group's pace. And in fact, sometimes when you're hiking a group, one of the, the lessons to keep in mind is you hike at the pace of your slowest hiker to keep the group together. And when you come to a junction or a critical junction in the trail, hikers, you wait for everybody to catch up. You don't like get too far ahead that people get lost in the journey. So keeping the group together uh, takes love. It takes encouragement to keep working with that group. So hopefully... These were also where the three things that Paul mentions come into play. So he mentioned proclamation, uh, admonishment, and also teaching. So leaders are the ones, hopefully, in the group, the group leaders, are the ones who are taking out the map and looking at the compass and looking at the topo map and saying, are we on the trail or not on the trail? Have we gotten off trail or have we gotten sidetracked? Have we... Have we seen a herd of deer and now we've walked off into the forest because we've seen this herd of deer and we're looking at them and now we're lost? Uh, but the, the, the leader is the one that will proclaim we're on the right trail and proclaim there's the summit and proclaim there's Jesus and proclaim that's, this is the way to go to be more mature in faith and in Jesus. And so leaders will naturally proclaim Christ and the supremacy of Christ as Paul is doing in Colossians chapter 1. The other thing is, is that when we're hiking together, admonishment, we already mentioned, is, is not pointing out people's flaws, but warning them when they might stumble. And that's a different point. So if I'm hiking with somebody and I see they're about to stumble or about to fall, I might grab them or support them or hold them a little bit more to keep them from falling. That's what admonishment looks like. And so rather than pointing out when they stumble or when they fall and kind of, hey, you're on the ground, Why, you know, you trip back there, you keep your eyes out next time. That's judgment, right? It's more about, hey, let me help you up. Let me not point out. I don't need to point out the fact that you've fallen. You know you've fallen. Let me help you back up. Let me encourage you. So that's part of it too. And that's the messy part of Christian communities because if you have less experienced uh, hikers in your group, you're going to maybe be, instead of being judgmental, really supportive of them and extend grace to them because they're still growing. In fact, all of us are. All of us are still growing. All of us are still learning. All of us are still developing to become more like Christ. None of us have arrived. And so we need to extend grace and encouragement to one another. And, if, and here's what it looks like to teach. So teaching, too, is about letting people know where you failed. Like, I messed up here. That's where I fell. That's where I stumbled. Here's some other techniques that I've used so that I don't stumble in the future. Here's some other ways I've approached my following Christ to help you. And so I teach and I share with others my experience and the wisdom that, to, to help them make it to the summit as well. So I might teach I need to warn people when, there might, when they might stumble on a rock or a root. I need to teach people the lessons that I've learned on the journey as well and pass that on to others who are newer hikers and the gear that I have and share tidbits with them. And I need to continue to say, there's the summit. There's Jesus. Point people to Jesus. And we're all supposed to be pointing one another to Jesus and Jesus only, alone, supremacy, right? That's our goal. So that's what's happening in Christian community. That's the vision for Christian community, and that's the core practice of our community to teach one another to follow Jesus to that summit that we're all hiking towards. So that's what it looks like corporately. 
And yet still there's an individual responsibility. There's still a part where I have to set my heart to, in a certain way, to help the community, to be that person that is encouraging and uniting people in love. And Paul mentions that he suffers for the community because he's contending, he's fighting for their maturity in Jesus. That's what Paul's doing. And so in the commentary I read this week, I stumbled across another quote from Michael Gorman. Uh, Some of you, if you watched our Revelation series this summer, we uh, quoted Michael Gorman around Revelation. He did a lot of work on Revelation. But here's a quote from Michael Gorman on what he calls cruciformity. That means to be conformed to the cross, or which we talked about earlier about taking up our cross and following Jesus. This cruciformity is that we crucify, right? We make self-sacrifice for the good of others. That's what Paul is talking about in Colossians. And Michael Gorman calls it cruciformity. Here's Michael Gorman's definition of cruciformity. He says, cruciformity is spirit-enabled conformity to the indwelling, crucified, and resurrected Christ. It is the ministry of the living Christ who reshapes all relationships and responsibilities to express the self-giving, life-giving love of God that was displayed on the cross. Although cruciformity often includes suffering, at its heart, it, like the cross, is about faithfulness and love. Faithfulness and love. And so it's about our faithfulness and our love for others to become like Christ, that we love others and we are hopeful that others can become more mature in Christ, that we are faithful to the community because we're all on this journey together. That's cruciformity at an individual level. This ability to give up self for the sake of community and helping others to become more like Christ. So that's what it looks like to follow together in community. One last hiking-themed illustration just to stay consistent. We were hiking with some friends uh, last year before uh, we couldn't hike with friends. And we went on a trail, and we had about, there were six of us, and we were hiking a trail to an alpine lake, and beautiful day, beautiful weather, enjoying conversation with friends. But each of us were at different places in our ability to hike this journey. And we picked a hike that we felt everybody could do. And uh, we had some novice hikers with us. And those novice hikers did pretty well keeping up, but you start to pick up on cues when you're hiking other people about pace and how they're feeling and and so forth. And so you start to make adjustments for that. And then when we were hiking down the trail, uh, I use poles when I hike down a mountain because my knees have gotten bad, and so I'll use hiker poles, and that helps relieve some of the pressure on my knees uh, going downhill. So I use poles, and I need poles to kind of take that pressure off. What happens, uh, though, as I was witnessing some of the more novice hikers in our group, is that they were starting to stumble. They were weariness, fatigue was setting in. Uh, They're not used to going around rocks and roots. And so I noticed that one of our members was stumbling a little bit more than they were going up. They were having trouble getting down. So I started to offer a hand and lend some support on the way down. And a couple times I offered my poles. You know, I say, do you you, want to use a pole or use my poles? Maybe that'll help you. And they're, you know, our first instinct as humans, because we're self-reliant, we're like, hey, no, no, not, I don't need any help. I don't need support, right? I can do it myself. But as I began to see them stumble and I was 
concerned about them injuring themselves, I finally just gave them my poles. I said, you need these more than me, right? I ain't want you to make it down. And they accepted that, and we made it down just fine after that without any more stumbling. So the point is, is did I need the poles? Yeah, to a certain degree, I needed the poles. Did they need the poles? Absolutely. But they needed it more than I needed it at that point, right? When I began to look at our community, our relationship, when I began to have compassion and care for them, I began to say, here, take my poles because you need them. And I don't want you to fall. I don't want you to stumble. I want you to make it, right? I want you and want to encourage you that you got this. And what it communicates is that I got you. I'm supportive of you. I want to encourage you to make it to the end of this trail. And for us in Christian community, that means saying to one another, I got your back. I care about you. I'm with you on the same journey. Yeah, I've stumbled too. I've made mistakes. I've tripped up, but we're in this together. And I want to encourage you that you can do this. You got this. We got this together. I've got your back. I'll support you. I'll even give whatever I have to make sure you make it. So that's the attitude of Christ. That's the mind of Christ that we're to have for each other. Let's pray together.